Hello and welcome to the Carolina Weather Group for this Wednesday, March the 17th, 2021. I am James Briarton in Charlotte. We have our panel here tonight. We are live with you and we are tracking tomorrow's severe weather threat. We're going to be going region by region, breaking down what you can expect and when you can expect it. We've got many forms of springtime severe weather on the table for tomorrow. Tornadoes, damaging wind, hail, thunderstorms, the gamut. And I know it seems like a far cry from the very cool, cloudy weather that so many of us had here in the Carolinas today. So let's start by taking you into a look at the Storm Prediction Center outlook for tomorrow. And uh, we can kind of begin to set this up for you in our in our conversation tonight. And I should have slid my monitors over in full transparency because I can't see the buttons I'm clicking. That will make this a heck of a lot easier. We also encourage you, of course, to uh, leave questions and comments in the chat, and we'll try to get to as many of them as we can during tonight's live broadcast. Here is the latest look at the HRRR run for tomorrow. Uh, this is future cast radar, what we can anticipate. And you can see that uh, discrete line coming on through from west to east as we go on through the morning hours. This run, sorry, running out, would you guys say, based on that, about Noon, one o'clock or so as it approaches the I-77 corridor or so. So here in the Charlotte area, expect storms between 11 and three o'clock or so. And that time gets later on in the afternoon as you make your way towards uh, Greensboro, where Christian is, and towards Raleigh and off toward the coast. And of course, earlier, if you're in upstate uh, South Carolina or maybe Western North Carolina, where Scotty is in uh, the foothills and the mountains. So again, we have what the Storm Prediction Center calls a moderate risk for tomorrow. This is tier four out of five. It's not something you see all too frequently here in the Carolinas and across other portions of the South today. They've got tier five out of five high risk across portions of Alabama, Arkansas, Mississippi. So let's start the conversation there, because sometimes the best thing to know what we can expect tomorrow is to see what the weather is doing today. Uh, Christian Morgan, meteorologist at WFMY in Greensboro. I see you shaking your head, and I know you've been keeping an eye on uh, the weather today, the pattern across the country. So let's start there before we go into tomorrow's future forecast. What's happening right now for our states to the west of here? Yeah, James, you know, we've been tracking this all day, and and what we've been mentioning the last couple of days is not only is this a, a you know pretty significant severe weather threat for those folks more times than not when folks across the deep south think about alabama uh, alabama mississippi louisiana generally when they have a pretty significant severe weather risk that storm and that energy tracks toward the piedmont and so we usually have at least some severe threat with this um i think what's most notable about this threat is not only that it's really our first one for the season so far, but that it's a pretty significant risk tomorrow. Um, the entire triad, our viewing area, is in at least a category three or level four out of five for severe weather, um, that being the enhanced uh, the enhanced risk category or the moderate risk category. And that's just something that doesn't happen often um, for our neck of the woods and for our area. So to have this being the first system of, of the season and to have it being, um, you know, having all the parameters in, in the ingredients this high that could come together to produce quite a significant severe weather event. Um, you know, it's just really one that we've been trying to drive home saying, hey, this is a good time this past week to go ahead and get prepared. Know that severe weather plan. Know your safe spot in your house. It's been a while since we've had to talk about that. Mm -hmm. But go and review those things and know those things heading into tomorrow. Of course, it's the weather. Things can change. They will change. They always do to some degree. Um, but I think that we do need to be on guard tomorrow because this is a, a pretty significant severe weather risk for our area. 
Before we go around the panel, we talk about the different regions, the different impacts that different folks can expect. Christian, you mentioned the ingredients that have to come together, the timing that has to come together. What are those ingredients? So with this system, um, there are several dynamics with this system. We have a ton of upper level energy and based on the track of that low tracking up just to our northwest, really, it's going to be kind of side skirting uh, North Carolina. So we have a ton of upper level energy. Uh, we have strong jet stream winds. We also have a pretty strong low level jet with this, too. Um, so so winds and wind shear are going to be a big factor. And we also have been talking a lot and really questioning the amount of instability that we're going to have, at least in our neck of the woods in the triad. And I'll kind of just drive home the point with that today is that we have had this cold air, cooler air wedge that's been kind of stuck in place today. So we thought we may get into the low 60s and we never made it there. In fact, we stayed and pretty much parked ourselves a lot of the day in the 40s. We eventually did warm up into the mid 50s this afternoon once the sun started to come out. But that cooler wedge of air is a you know is it actually kind of a piece of good news that can help us out in the long run going into your thursday so if that cooler air hangs on longer and if the storm uh was to speed up and kind of come through earlier tomorrow morning there wouldn't be as much thunderstorm fuel or as much instability to work with and that could of course limit our our severe weather chances um so it's just getting all of those things to line up perfectly but if they do, if they were, um, then, you know, we should have a fuel or as much instability to work with. And that could, of course, limit our I hear you echoing back from somebody somewhere with an open mic, but I think we got most of that. And you're right. We're taking a live look right now at these pictures from Weatherstem in the Greensboro area. It's cloudy. And that always feels like the situation we get in is it's going to be when do the clouds break in the morning? Do we get enough sun? And just like trying to heat water on a kettle, once you get those clouds out of the way and you can introduce that sun or i.e. that heat, that's what really sets up uh the atmosphere and primes it. And uh, let's take a look here real fast. I want to show folks again, this is the latest model run. This goes through about lunchtime tomorrow. As we get onto the evening hours, that'll begin to click on beyond that. If you're wondering why we're stopping it at about one o'clock tomorrow, we're not. That's just as far up as this model run goes. This nice high resolution model run. But you know, you take a look right now, it's what's happening across the deep south. We have tornado watches up for Alabama, parts of Mississippi. We have at least one tornado warning at this hour in Mississippi. And I wouldn't be surprised surprised if we begin to see tornado watches or at least severe thunderstorm watches issued by the storm prediction center closer in our neck of the woods by the time we what do you guys think overnight by the way time we wake up tomorrow morning uh and and i think that will kind of lay the foundation for the communication aspect of what to expect tomorrow yeah, I, I agree with that, James. You know, we're starting in the morning likely with just some scattered showers. Um, but then as that front gets closer and we look for that line of storms to form, um, we'll just kind of have to assess things then and see what see what the National Weather Service and see what the Storm Prediction Center uh, decides to do. But I, I do think it's an interesting setup. You know, looking at the parameters a couple hours ago, it's interesting to note that a lot of the instability and a lot of the, you know, twisting and turning of the atmosphere doesn't even look to get here until after the front comes by tomorrow afternoon. And if that would be the case, then once the front is passed, then we really don't have anything to work with. Um, so then again, we would kind of end out um, on the, the better side of things. I think bottom line, at least for our area, is the earlier that the storms come through, the better off we are, the better chance we have, or the less chance we have of them to be severe. It'll be cooler uh, and earlier in the morning, it's harder for that, for that 
storm and those severe severe storms to form. Uh, on the flip side, if it comes through later after lunch and in the afternoon, once that cooler air is kind of eroded, um, then uh, then we're kind of headed for trouble. Yeah, and I will say over the last day or so, it's been trending earlier. This went yeah. from crossing I-77 at 3 o'clock to crossing I-77 at noon. We got uh, folks watching right now, Upstate Debbie. So we're talking earlier in the morning for you, Upstate South Carolina between, say, 9 and noon. Question about the low country that came in. That's going to be probably later in the day, depending on where you are in the low country. What do you guys think? Like 2, 3, 4, 5 o'clock-ish, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it does look to be later in the afternoon or the evening. Yeah. So let's do this. I want to pop up uh, the Storm Prediction Center outlook that we have it right now for tomorrow. And then we're going to go around the panel and have you guys uh, talk about what you can expect in each your neck of the woods. But again, Storm Prediction Center for tomorrow. These are the categories. Moderate is four out of five. That's what's in red here. If you listen to our podcast, let me paint this picture for you. So in red for the moderate area, that four to five tomorrow, it's parts of the triad. It's parts of the triangle. It's parts of Charlotte. Uh, then areas kind of south and east of Charlotte. So you kind of just skirt the Interstate 85 corridor upstate South Carolina down towards Columbia through the Augusta, Georgia region down through Savannah, Georgia region, all along much of the South Carolina and North Carolina coast. And then from there, you kind of work your way out as a bullseye with a ring around that that's enhanced. That's three out of five. So that would include uh, closer to Morganton where Scotty is and Statesville and uh, Elizabeth City and some of the Outer Banks. And then we get into a slight risk that tier two out of five for the Western North Carolina mountains, the Boons, the Blowing Rocks over towards Asheville. Storm Prediction Center will also help uh, break this down to show us what each one of the major severe uh, impacts could be from this. And so, you know, if we were to peel this away, we can see that there's a, a, a 30% chance of seeing hail across those same uh, high risk or, or moderate risk areas, I should say. Uh, the tornado risk is about 15% along that same high impact area and wind almost a 45 to 50% chance of seeing damaging winds across, say, uh, parts of the Sand Hills, the Columbia metro area, Augusta, Georgia, down towards the low country, and even scraping parts of the Charlotte area. I mean, that's incredible. Uh, and, and you know, I think the thing that I always try to remind people about damaging winds is it can, and the aftermath, wind damage and tornado damage can look very similar. Maybe the trees all fell the same direction as opposed to crisscross, but it, you know they're they can be confused. And I I, I bring that up. Um, and Frank, let me bring you in, uh, Frank Strait. In your experience, you know, do you find that sometimes people will subconsciously disregard severe thunderstorm warnings and not treat them the same magnitude as a tornado warning? Yes, I do, and I think it's because severe thunderstorm warnings, uh, the, the weather service has to put them out when there's uh, when there's the conditions there when they they, they see something in a, a particular thunderstorm cell that indicates a, a severe event large hail or damaging winds can happen but the thing is with a typical severe thunderstorm that doesn't happen on a very large area uh, even today when we don't when we see the national weather service issue severe thunderstorm warnings for relatively small areas as opposed to all an entire county or two counties at a time. Now, it may only be for uh, a few portions of one or two counties. Nonetheless, that actual severe weather uh, tends to occur only in a fairly small area most of the time. Uh, but the situation sometimes, and tomorrow is going to be one of these situations where the severe weather, the damaging winds and hail occurs on a much larger scale. 
so if you're issued, if you see a severe thunderstorm warning issued tomorrow, you're much more likely to actually see uh, that severe weather happening. So uh, tomorrow is one of the reasons why one of the reasons why we think the, the risk error is so much higher tomorrow is because uh, when when there's a warning issued, you're much more likely to actually see that severe weather because it's going to be more widespread as opposed to what you might see in the summertime where uh, you see one updraft collapse and uh, maybe a 10 square mile area uh, is the only area that actually sees the severe weather, despite yeah. the warning being larger in size. Tomorrow, probably every point within that warned area will see severe weather or something close to it. Even a 50% chance of seeing a tornado. I know people see 15% chance of shower and you think, well, what's the worst that happens? I get a little raindrop on my face. I mean, a 15% chance of a tornado is incredibly high for this part of the region in the mid South today. It's that 45% chance. And I always like to say, if I had a 15% chance of winning the lotto, you know, I'd be buying lotto tickets right now. Uh, we've uh, changed our view here on our live show to show the whole panel simultaneously. So in the top left box, we've got Scotty Powell. He's in Morganton. He holds down the uh, Western foothills uh, for us. So Scotty, walk us through the timing and the impacts that we can expect to see in your elevation and your portion of the region tomorrow. And again, we'll continue to watch some of the questions and comments coming in while you're talking. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that, James. Uh, we're in kind of that early transition zone. Uh, we are expecting to see a lot of storms eventually move into the mountains a little bit before sunrise, um, 7, 8 a.m. as it moves into the Asheville to Boone area. Uh, then it moves off the mountains. And sometimes the mountains kind of hold these lines up. So it's going to be interesting to see if that happens again tomorrow. Kind of delays the line moving off the mountains by maybe an hour or so. Uh, as you get into the Morganton, Hickory, uh, Lenore, up into Wilkesboro, Statesville area, uh, the Foothills, the Unifor, the Catawba Valley, whatever you want to name it, um, several different names there. Uh, we're looking at the main uh, primary threat to be between 9 a.m. And, and noon. And we're in kind of that transition zone where you have a slight risk for some areas and that gets moved into an enhanced risk as you get into uh, portions of eastern Burke County, Catawba County, um, southeastern Caldwell, into Alexander, Lincoln, and Iredale County. That's where you find the enhanced risk. So, um, I mean, we're expecting to see uh, these storms really start to develop as they move out of the area. Uh, Christian was talking about earlier the timing. It looks like we're going to avoid the peak heating by just a few hours. Um, you know, normally if, if these storms are rolling in through one or two o'clock, we'd be a whole lot more concerned than they are right now at 9, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. So uh, needless to say, the threats are still there for damaging winds, large hail, and even a few isolated tornadoes. Um, I think primarily for the foothills, our biggest threat will be that damage and wind threat. Uh, and again, can't rule out a few isolated tornadoes. Uh, the interesting thing uh, that we're going to have to be watching is the CAD situation, that cold air damming. A lot of us hate CAD mm. in the wintertime, but this may be where the time that the CAD saves you. And if we came on to the showery, foggy, misty conditions, uh, that means that the severe weather threat will really be lower for our area. So we're going to have to watch that as, as the foothills and in, into the northwest Piedmont really kind of hangs on to the CAD the longest. So uh, if that happens, we'll be in a more stable atmosphere and it'll just be some heavy rain. Speaking of that heavy rain, uh, I know it's not raining. Well, it's we had uh, 14 days without rain. We did have a little bit of rain uh, a few days ago. Uh, there is a possibility of a few isolated flooding issues. I know it's not really high on the threat list, but um, some of the accumulations, maybe one, two, 
three inches of rain in a short amount of time, uh, even with dry conditions, could pose a small flash flood threat as well. So we'll monitor that. But if you live in Morganton, Lenore, Hickory, um, up into Statesville, uh, Taylorsville, Marion, Relaford County into Cleveland County, our main time threat would be 9 a.m. to about lunchtime, maybe one o'clock at the latest for some of those eastern portions of the area. Damaging wind threat looks to be the key threat to watch, but we can't rule out a few isolated tornadoes and some large hail. And I wouldn't be surprised at all when many of you wake up tomorrow that some sort of severe weather watch, maybe a severe thunderstorm watch or a tornado watch would be issued. Just know, have a plan. Uh, you know, tornadoes are, are not that common in this part of the world, but just have that plan. Uh, be prepared identify your safe spot before you go to bed tonight uh you know I, I say all that a lot of people get concerned and scared when they hear the tornado word but if you have that plan and you really know where to go and you know how to receive alerts there's no reason to worry because you've already established that plan and you know what to do if that warning wants to be issued so we'll be holding down the fort tomorrow here in the foothills we'll give you some updates but right now we're hoping the CAD hangs on a little bit stronger so we can be in a more stable atmosphere. But if that does retreat, we'll watch for the damage and wind threat with isolated tornadoes and a few large hail events as well. So, James, uh, that's uh, what it looks like for the foothills. Back to you. Glad you brought up a couple of things there, Scotty. The CAD could make or break this whole situation for us. So it will save us if that cold air damming stays in place and the clouds and the, the you know, prevents the sun from, from breaking on through. We have scrolling on the screen right now, tornado actions that you should take. Uh, I feel like, before we go any further in the show, I'm so glad you brought this up, Scotty. If you find yourself in a tornado warning tomorrow, warning meaning it's imminent and it's happening now, you should get inside a sturdy structure, lowest level, most interior, as many walls between you and the outside world as possible, away from windows, and you should plan to go into that space already wearing jeans and shoes, because if you do then have to reemerge into an area that now has damage, you're not going to want to be stepping on things like nails and splinters and glass uh, and, and um, bike helmets too. Something for your Yeah, I was, I was going to say, I always like to include the helmets and also maybe some kind of goggles or eye protection, just in case, you know, mainly when a tornado hits is the flying debris that causes concern. So you want to keep that head and those eyes protected as well. You know, last year, about the same time, I we were also no. talking about bringing these masks with you, because if you do have to then congregate with other people afterwards or interact with people, you still have the pandemic to worry about, Frank. Uh, yes. And when we're talking about footwear, yeah, not just anything, uh, something that's hard sold, you know, in this situation, if you're wearing your, your running sneakers and then you have to walk out into your yard, there's a bunch of debris around. If you step on a nail, it's going to go right through your running shoes. Uh, instead, if you have uh, some hiking boots or something with uh, with hard soles, instead wear those uh, rather than a pair of sneakers. Because if you have to walk around in debris, uh, all sorts of things can puncture that and go right into your foot. My safe place here in Charlotte. We don't have a basement, but if this inspires anybody, we have a little cubby, Harry Potter esque, underneath the stairs, and that's where we go. It's not comfortable, but it does the trick. Uh, Zach, you're in Western North Carolina, right near Asheville. Am I am I correct? What what, what are you right. anticipating there at your elevation and at your locale? Um, James, I wouldn't expect uh, too much uh, damaging winds uh, in our area, but uh, we could see uh, some uh, uh, moderate to heavy rainfall at times, and um, at least on the eastern side of uh, the the mountains, we could see some. Uh, possible damaging effects. But 
over here, uh, because the storm is coming in earlier in the morning, we won't really see much um, impacts, but uh, please do be unaware of what is going on. Evan Fisher, I understand you have a follow-up and also a screen share. That was a really quick read. I don't have a screen share, but I do have a follow-up. Uh, there's one sneaky little part of this event that no one's talking about because it doesn't affect a ton of folks. But I know there are some people that follow Carolina Weather Group along the North Carolina-Tennessee border. It's a very western part of the state. But there's going to be a, some serious wind uh, overnight tonight, really getting into tomorrow morning as we see that cold frontal passage. I believe there's high wind warnings issued for uh, the the border areas, specifically near the Great, uh, Great Smoky National Park, Mountains National Park. Um, yep, James has got that up on the screen. So those areas could see some damaging wind gusts and even non-thunderstorm wind gusts. Um, that's something we haven't talked about yet, so I just wanted to throw it out there for the few yep, folks yep. that live in that area. Absolutely. I appreciate you bringing that up too. And and you can even see here as we're looking at now this larger view of what's happening right now uh, across the area. We do have some of those flash flood watches that are up for portions of Tennessee and North Georgia. Those could push into our area for tomorrow. And it was Scotty who mentioned, yeah, we went so many days without rain, but here's a live look at Marion. It's wet there this evening. We got a lot of rain through the region yesterday. And so, yeah, we had some capacity for it, but we do have still some moist soil to contend with on top of whatever. Uh, rainfall falls kind of quickly tomorrow. And again, we do have tornado watches up right now for portions of Alabama and Mississippi and either tornado watches or severe thunderstorm watches likely to move into this, the rest of the Southeast here during the overnight hours. A reminder that a watch means that those weather conditions are expected in the short term, say 12 to 24 hours, whereas a warning means they are happening right now. Uh, good evening to Kimberly. She's watching from the Lake Norman area, Donna and Chesterfield area. So you guys kind of in that greater Charlotte area, if you will. Uh, Lexington, South Carolina. We got Kelly uh, checking in. We got a question from Adam watching live on YouTube. Should I bring my chickens in the house? I don't know much about running agriculture or farm, but I would advocate for bringing in anything that is susceptible to wind uh, or or might not adhere well to sudden changing conditions. I don't know if anyone else has anything else to add to that or if he even owns chickens or not, but I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt and own, and presume he actually owns chickens and if, isn't just go ahead, Evan. Yeah. If you're comfortable bringing your chickens in the house, I think you should do it. Uh, it's certainly safer. I would bring my dog in if I were living specifically in the yeah. Eastern part of the state. Um, but if, if you care about your chickens, like you care about your dog, um, then yeah, go for it. Do not recommend bringing the chickens in next to the dog. I have heard of some unfortunate stories to go after that. <laughs> well, uh, Jared, I'm so glad you chimed up because I was about to come your way. We have lots of people in the chat yeah, tonight man. wanting to know about the low country, Charleston yeah. area. What can you expect there? You know, James, it's uh, it, I guess the first thing to say is that, you know, we've had a lot of uh, talk about this moderate risk and, and everything there. And, and I want to caution people that, you know, the the, the risk stuff is really for people like us to help, you know, to help guide us in, in making forecasts there. So I want to make sure that everybody understands that. That being said, that's not to downplay it or anything like that, but you don't necessarily need a moderate risk to have really nasty weather. And sometimes you can have a moderate risk and not get anything at all. That uh, That's something that can happen. Not saying that's going to happen, but uh, the low country is an interesting place to forecast severe weather just in general. 
And, uh, you know, what we're looking at tomorrow, I mean, first of all, it's going to be warm and it's going to be windy. Um, you know, it let's, you know, well before the storms arrive, uh, the low level jet's going to start mixing in and that's going to get us, you know, 30 to 40 mile an hour wind gusts moving across the area. So that's going to make some of the bridge travel a little bit difficult. So if you got to, you know, take, for example, if you're in Charleston area, taking the Ravenel or the Wando bridges, or the Don Halt, um, you know, you may run into some uh, wind issues uh, during the day. By about one o'clock or so, the, that's kind of the beginning of the window where we could start to see some thunderstorms begin to move into the I-95 corridor. And I think that, you know, it, it, right now, if, if it was me kind of drawing the maps here right now, I would say that the biggest threat for severe weather is going to be in the I-95 corridor where the most substantial severe weather could happen. Um and that's going to be heating later on in the day. Well, you yeah, more of that fuel and warmth. Mm -hmm. Well, you get you get more of that fuel. You get more of the warmth. The the shear parameters are just better. Everything just overlaps a little bit better at time. Um, the that's where you're going to see your maximum significant tornado parameter set up uh, there. That's where the storm prediction center is drawn. The 45 percent significant wind um, is just inland. As the line gets closer to the coast, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's some interesting scenarios that can take place. The NAM has consistently run a few degrees cooler. And that has been interesting because it's created more of a capping inversion that has weakened the line of storms. The NAM. Yeah, it has weakened the line of storms as it approaches the coast. Now, if you look at the high-res rapid refresh, we've got Supercell City. So, yeah. so right now so, on the screen, for those watching, this is the NAM. This is what Jared was talking about. Here's about one o'clock. And then what does this mm -hmm. jump? This jumps like three hours, right? So then yeah, yeah, the, the, about three o'clock, the NAM nest will go, um, that, that'll go hourly, but, uh, but yeah, and then back over to rapid refetch. Like you said, is a lot of these discrete supercells helps if I pick the right region. There we go. Yeah. The, you know, the, the discrete supercells, I mean, again, you know, it's, it, it's all just a, a few degrees here or there. But what? But the reason why I bring it up is that you know so often we see in Charleston that you get a, a nasty line of thunderstorms that makes it to I ninety five and it's looking it's looking no good and it starts getting through Lake Moultrie. But then it encounters cooler air advecting it off of the uh, colder shelf waters on the Atlantic. I think Shay pointed it out. Uh, Shay Gibson, for those of you who are frequent flyers here in the Carolina Weather Group, you know Shay. Uh, he pointed out this morning that it's about water temperatures are about 60, 61 degrees in the harbor. And so that's going to stay, that may st act to stabilize um, the, the atmosphere closer to the coast. So Charleston metro area, for example, in that area, this could potentially have an impact on the degree of severe weather we might see. This could have an impact on perhaps maybe we don't see the, the risk for those stronger tornadoes. However, I will say this and in, in that it's not guaranteed. Um, and, is anything you know, that, here guaranteed? That, this is true. This, that, that's 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 very true. Um, and I'm going to pause this right yep. at about one o'clock just to show people what you're talking about, because I think this is also true to the mm -hmm. timing, right? Because we were saying that the further east you are, the later in the day, but that doesn't really apply if you're further south. It's kind of right at yeah. one o'clock here on the rapid refresh, the one that's mm -hmm. showing us the supercells. You can see how that mm -hmm. is just down I-77, Charlotte, Columbia. And then yep. if you were to draw a straight line, if I-77 were to continue straight to savannah you mm -hmm. can see how that is now coming into the low countries thus arriving in charleston before wilmington or the outer banks and and uh, to to illustrate again your point jared this rapid refresh this high resolution comes in hourly goes out 24 hours uh shows these discrete supercells and the discrete supercells are the ones that will have lots of room and all lots of room to play and lots of 
moisture and fuel available to themselves as opposed to if they're not supercells, then they'll, and they're more in a line, then we got to work, then they got to kind of compete with each other. Right. So that's kind of like the two different ways. Yeah. A little bit of that. I think it might be a mix of both. It might be, it could very well be a line of discrete supercells depending on how much capping um, is left over. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that. But ultimately I think that the the safety message for the low country and for everybody there is the same, Um, you know, regardless of this minutia that we might be discussing here as weather geeks, I think the ultimate thing that we can, that we need to take home from this is the fact that there is a risk for widespread damaging wind tomorrow uh, could very well make it to the coast. I mean, we have model solutions that do bring it to the coast. We have mm-hmm. some model solutions that don't respect the uncertainty, prepare as if the worst is going to happen. Um, you know, and as we mentioned before, you know, getting, getting some stuff ready in your tornado safe place, you're going to still have some time in the morning to bring in some of those loose items as well. That's going to be extremely important. Um, you know, it'll be breezy in the morning for sure, but you want to get that stuff inside before the line of thunderstorms moves through. So about one or two o'clock, that's probably when you're going to want to be paying real close attention should have a tornado watch up around that time be watching the line come through um it should be fast that that's the good news it should be moving relatively quickly models uh, notoriously are slow with squall line pass- passages so that should be through here um you know should be through here by evening um you know maybe maybe as late as set uh, seven or eight o'clock again, you know, there's going to be some stuff that we got to work out with the timing. We don't really know until we see the line start to move. And so um, keep an eye on the forecast tomorrow, be prepared, be ready, you know, be listening to uh, your trusted weather sources, you know, get that NOAA weather radio out, get the smartphone apps ready to go, check your wireless emergency alerts, make sure you're getting tornado warnings. Um, and, um, you know, and, and let's hope that the uh, 61 degree water temperatures uh, find a way to thwart this thing. Cause uh Dynamically speaking, this is a it, it, it's, it's going to be quite an event um, as it uh, moves uh, eastward. So let's hope for a little fizzle. Uh, we're going to go to Scotty and Christian in a moment for a, a question coming in from our live audience. But again, to reiterate Jared's point, have multiple ways to receive weather warnings tomorrow. A NOAA weather radio, a cell phone, make sure those wireless emergency alerts, the WIA are enabled. You can download your favorite weather apps like the WFMY app or the WCNC app. Uh, You can download other weather apps. You can, of course, tune to broadcast and radio tomorrow. Uh, And don't discount social media. Don't discount calls or texts from a friend. Or if you see uh, a warning that is impacting a relative, a friend who lives in another area of the state, give them a call, give them a text. Don't assume that they've seen it. Scotty, uh, I think you have a question coming in from our live audience uh, who is uh, hanging out with us tonight on social. Yeah, we have uh, one. I just scrolled off that. Let me get back to uh, the person who was asking because I want to acknowledge them. Um, Mindy Hart was wanting to know from Christian what it looks uh, what it looks like for the Greensboro Winston Salem, uh, kind of like the Piedmont Triad area again. Yeah, sure, Sagati. So, um, you know, we've been talking about it. You know, there, there's going to be a chance, at least a chance for some severe weather across most of North Carolina. Of course, it's a little less um, as you go further to the west and up uh, back into the foothills and up into the mountains. Um, we are in a level three to four. Our viewing area in the triad is level three to four out of five for severe weather tomorrow. So it's a pretty significant risk if all of the ingredients come together. We've been talking a lot about the storm timing. And uh, if it comes through earlier, we'll probably get out a little bit better because we don't have as much um, instability or as much warm air to work with. If it comes in a little bit later, um, you know, we may be in trouble. 
Right now, I can tell you that the best timing uh, looks to be between about 9 a.m. until noon in the west for our, our western portions of the viewing area and in the foothills. For the triad counties, more like 11 a.m. till about 3 p.m. And keep in mind, these are all start r- rough start times. So for the triad counties, generally around 11 a.m. till about 3 p.m. And then starting between about 1 p.m to 5 p.m. as you go further east of the triad. So that would be um, over to counties like Alamance and over into Orange County, more towards the Raleigh area. But again, I think that we are done with this thing in the triad by really by dinner time and early evening. And I think by then our storm threat is going to be over. Again, we've been talking about how this thing's been trending earlier. So we'll continue to watch and see if that happens. Um, I've had the question a lot today is if the fact that we were cooler today could help us out going into tomorrow and if that cool air could hold on. And that's absolutely a possibility. You know, some models are leaning on to that a little bit. Uh, We had that cooler air wedge in place today, and there's still going to be that warm air from the south trying to advance with that warm front. Um, Again, I think the better chance to see severe weather, um, just knowing those things is going to be to the south and to the east of the triad. But again, we still need to be prepared. Uh, You know, we we say prepare, 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 and just root for the best heading into tomorrow. Um, If everything lines up perfectly, this could be a pretty significant severe weather day in, in the Carolinas. But of course, it is weather. It changes. It can and will change to some degree as we go throughout the rest of the evening, overnight, and even by the time we get to tomorrow morning. So again, just best to pay attention to the forecast. Stay alert. Stay weather aware. Know that safe spot. Know where you're going if, in case warnings are issued. And we'll be keeping you updated all day long. Yeah, it's a good plan. Treat it like winter weather. You know, we can watch the models all we, we can do. We can watch them all, all night, all day. But until the event really starts to take place, that's when you really know who's going to see what. So uh, another question uh, coming in through the uh, the viewers. And um, uh, Frank, I'll let you take this one since you live right there on the South Carolina, North Carolina border. Uh, Lance, uh, there's several people wanting to know. So I want to make sure that we acknowledge them. Uh, Lance. Lee, Karen, and Mindy all asking about the upstate of South Carolina, say from Aiken, South Carolina, up into the Greenville-Spartanburg area, um, wanting to know what to expect there and what the biggest threats would be. So, Frank, um, since that's kind of your neck of the woods, I'll let you take that one. All righty. Well, starting out, a little while ago, you mentioned the concern for flooding, and uh, I'm going to reiterate that here, at least uh, some potential isolated flooding instances uh, from this setup, because we're going to get a lot of rain. And even though we went many days, about two weeks without uh, without any rain at all or very little, uh, we got a good soaking just yesterday morning. I had at least an inch in my place. It was probably more than that. It was an inch at GSP Airport. And uh, I think we see another good soaking uh, tonight and tomorrow. So uh, we are going to have to watch out for potential flooding, especially along the southern part of the Blue Ridge. I think that's going to be the, the main area of concern for that. So uh, let's not let that, uh, that thought get uh, buried into uh, what's going to be happening in the next 24 hours or so. But in terms of severe weather, I think that's uh, going to be hitting, as, as we mentioned, during the morning hours in the upstate and uh, in western North Carolina. In fact, if you go far west, uh, past Andrews and Murphy, it, it's probably happening before daybreak out there. Uh, and, and because of the fact that it's going to be happening earlier, I think our tornado risk is going to be fairly low uh, for western North Carolina and most of the upstate, at least the north and west of I-85. Now, the thing is, when this line comes through, it's likely going to be a, a broken line for us. And, and when you see those breaks in the line, you can get a, an embedded supercell more easily. So uh, the, the tornado risk is not zero. So you definitely still need to keep in mind that can happen. 
But uh, I think that's uh, going to hit us in the morning. I think it's going to be a, a nasty morning commute as a, a result uh, tomorrow morning and uh, getting around uh, through the day. But uh, by the time you get to midday, it's it's along I-77 uh, over in Charlotte and Columbia, uh, places like that. One thing that we're going to have to keep an eye on, though, and, and the weather is it, it's it's challenging tomorrow. There's a lot of tricky rhymes to rock everywhere across the Carolinas tomorrow. But the trickiest, I think, is for us in Western North Carolina, the upstate, because this is going to go through so early. But then you get to the afternoon hours and, and the sun's coming out and it's warming up and our temperatures are going up into the in, into the 60s. And maybe even we take a run at 70 uh, in a lot of places. And matter of fact, the upstate probably will see 70s tomorrow. The question is, do we sweep the drier air on in immediately like most of the models are showing or the one little outlier that we have now, the full resolution NAM models shows us the dew points trying to stay up in the 55 to 60 range, maybe a little higher as the uh, main part of the upper level system comes in and starts to try and trigger some more shower and thunderstorm activity, uh, especially up in the mountains, but potentially getting the upstate, maybe in the Piedmont in the evening hours tomorrow. If that can happen, if we can get things fairly unstable, there's, there's a ton of shear. And if something were going to sneak up on us, I think that's what, how it would happen. If we were going to see uh, something kind of unexpected happen, that would be the unexpected thing. So don't totally let your guard down uh, once those thunderstorms get through first thing uh, in the morning or even to the midday hours, because uh, something might try to sneak up on us in the afternoon. Uh, at least another shower or thunderstorm. And uh, if, if things came together just right, it could be uh, another uh, stronger storm as well. Scotty, we have a viewer whose name is Mac and Cheese. He's watching on YouTube. I presume that's his or her given name. And uh, they I wanted like to know Mac about and Cheese. I love Mac and Cheese. Uh, they wanted to know about estimated wind speeds tomorrow. We've talked about damaging winds in across the Carolinas. They're specifically inquiring about the foothills. Any yeah. estimates? Yeah, I think I was just um, I, I seen the question teed up there. So I was looking at the latest HRR, and it looks like uh, we could see some wind gusts uh, upwards of 25 to 30 miles per hour um, as the line of storm move, storms move in. Now, I will say this. We'll, we'll say if we do see a thunderstorm or thunderstorms, uh, localized higher wind gusts will definitely be possible. Uh, but wind-wise, outside of any thunderstorms, you know, we could see some 25 uh, to 30 mile per hour wind gusts as that uh, warm front moves through and then associated with the cold front. So, um, you know, with saturated soil is always the potential for seeing some uh, down trees, but um, outside of the thunderstorms, I don't think wind is going to be a big deal here in the foothills. But Evan, I know uh, you've been talking about the high winds and I believe a high wind warning was just issued for uh, the border counties there in North and South Carolina. So uh, maybe you want to take yeah. that element. Yeah, so that's, that's typically a pretty localized issue. Uh, when we see these high wind warnings associated with cold, cold frontal passages, those high wind gusts are typically limited to locations right along the North Carolina-Tennessee border, really on the western side of the southern Appalachians. It's two different directions. The western side of the southern Appalachians, the Tennessee side. Um, I, I don't think we'll see many of those wind gusts um, affect the foothills. That will be more convective-driven. I want to take this next question. There's a question from uh, someone watching in a dormitory in the Greensboro area, and they want to know where they should go in case of a tornado warning. First answer is hopefully your, your school or your institute there has some place for you to go that is designated in your building as a storm shelter place. 
and it would be good tonight to check on what that is for tomorrow. Yeah, I would go ahead, reach okay. out to your RA. That's when I lived in a dorm. That's what I was told to do. Reach out to my RA to figure out those kind of things. Um, reach yeah. out to your RA, shoot him a text tonight, figure that out. Otherwise, a stairwell, if you're yeah. literally not told at all. I mean, stairwells are typically concrete and interior in dorms, um, lowest level of that possible. Yeah, the overall rule of thumb, whether you're in a dorm or you're in another building or a home and it doesn't have a designated area that you're being told about, you have to use your discretion. But again, for everyone, it's get as low in that structure as possible and as far to the interior inside as possible. Uh, and you want to put as many walls between you and the outside world as possible. And again, you want to go prepared into this scenario, already wearing jeans, hard shoes, a helmet, maybe some goggles, so that if you have to then come back out into the world in some sort of damage or debris, you're ready to encounter glass, broken wood, bricks, so on and so forth. There are some safety tips on the screen for you right now uh, to help you figure out where to go. Again, here in my home in Charlotte, I don't have a basement. I'm going under the stairs. Um, That is as many walls between me and the outside world as possible, and it's on uh, the first floor all right guys we've got about 10 minutes left go ahead scotty i was going to say that graphic where popped up was for apartments but you can kind of substitute that with dormitories as well yeah. so apartments always tricky right because it's like are you gonna you gonna go into your neighbor downstairs are you friendly with them especially during the pandemic it gets really tricky and so that's why it's good to plan tonight ahead of tomorrow or any other event um Speaking of safe places, one other graphic I would like to share, if that are possible. This just came out last year, uh, and this is um, a discussion we've had on the show before, and that is um, mobile home safety and where you mm-hmm. need to go if you live in a mobile home. So I want to get this graphic pulled up right quick and kind of show you here's the idea of where you want to be. Um, the uh, Weather Ready uh, Weather Ready Nation Ambassadors um, – kind of put this graphic out last year and it's something that, um, that I like to share. Oh, I'm sharing the wrong one with y'all. There we go. Sorry about that. Technical difficulty there. In case, the- you didn't, in case you didn't think we were doing it live. <laughs> yeah. So here's the uh, tornado sheltering guidelines and it kind of breaks down the worst option all the way to the best option. Now I'll go ahead and tell you, I don't know of anybody in North or South Carolina that has one of the FEMA designated safe rooms or storm shelters that they have out in Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. So I don't think that's common around here, at least that I don't know of. Uh, But you can see the next best option is an interior room of a well-constructed home or building or a basement. Uh, Lowest level, I I heard James say it earlier, lowest level put as many walls between you and the outside. Uh, The worst option, obviously, is a mobile home or a vehicle. You definitely don't want to be in a mobile home or a vehicle or even under an over. Um, highway path over underneath the highway overpass. I know there was a crazy video on the weather channel several years back of where these people rode out a tornado underneath uh, the, uh, the bridge there, but that's uh, not where you want to be. Another place you really don't want to be is open rooms like gymnasiums and manufacturing homes. Uh, We had video um, of last year of a gymnasium being ripped apart by a tornado in uh, the Midlands of South Carolina. So that's not the best place. Uh, You want to be in those more confined, uh, smaller areas as well. So that's just a graphic 
uh, that I, I, I always like to share out because this is uh, the best options for those tornado things. And James, another thing I want to hit on, I was talking about gymnasiums. I've noticed over the last hour or so, and I know you've probably been keeping up with this as well. There's a lot of school systems that are going to virtual learning days instead of being in person tomorrow. Yes. And the weather service, Greenville, Spartanburg, the Greer area on their two thirty emergency planning call for partners, media, emergency management, school districts, et cetera, stressed today. Please do not have kids out and about during active weather, bring them in early, hold them late. We've seen this historically, unfortunately, where in crunch time, people panic. And sometimes they think, let's get the kids home. Let's get them on the buses. Let's go. The worst place to be is in a car, a bus. Buses are not great with wind, not great with tornadoes or anything else either. And sometimes their advice is to keep the kids longer and to communicate with parents because you don't want to have the parents then waiting in pickup lines outside the schools either. If you go all virtual tomorrow, that's great. It's a new option for so many of us. But as Scotty was just pointing out, manufactured homes, which is the term now applied to mobile homes, not trying to single those out, but manufacturally speaking, engineering, they're, they tend to be weaker than other structures and just for pure safety reasons we call out ahead of time consider if you have any alternatives that you can go to earlier not when the warning is issued you don't want to try to outrun a warning but from the time say a watch goes up which gives you 12 to 24 hours notice if there's another place you can go to and as scotty said gymnasiums big box stores like walmart's big rooms like that that don't have center pillars are not great because they're not reinforced but other buildings may be available to you in your community or a friend's house if they're inside your COVID bubble, which obviously that also makes this super complicated. Uh, and so there is no magic answer for everyone. And the best advice is to plan now, whether you need it for tomorrow or another day. Best case scenario, nothing happens tomorrow and you just have a plan for another day, but it's always good to be prepared. And, and also one other thing, and then I'll let the panel talk because I feel like I've been talking a lot here just let over the last little bit, but make sure you have your, your we alerts on your cell phone. I mean, these are really important. These are only pushed out when a warning has been issued. And if you're traveling, select warnings, mind yeah. you too. If you're, you're not traveling inundated. If you're traveling tomorrow, we had an interview a few months ago about the new billboards, electronic billboards that will broadcast tornado warnings. But if you're in a location that you don't have one of those and you're just driving down the road and you really don't know what county you're in, make sure you have that turned on your phone because it will alert you if you're in that polygon. And that way you can get off the interstate or the roadway and find a safer place to be because you definitely do not want to ride out one of these events in your vehicle. And for those who are chasing tomorrow, I know, uh, we have, uh, you know, I know some of our experienced chasers will be out, but for those who may just be going out, hey, I want to see something, tomorrow's ideally not that thing, uh, not that day, because these are most likely going to be rain wraps. So um, just be careful if you're out, out there and you want to see a tornado, you most likely won't see one tomorrow as, as this is going to be a, a fairly messy setup um, and you may not see it. You may just see a big curtain of rain coming your way before you know it, uh, you're inside the tornado, so... So again, those wheel alerts, the wireless emergency alerts, they're going to go off on your phone for any and all tornado warnings, for any sort of catastrophic flash flood warning, 
Those have been walked back over the last couple of years, only now for the most devastating and the same thing coming soon for severe thunderstorm warnings. So those weren't previously eligible for the wheel alerts. Again, now the highest tier, the most destructive severe thunderstorm warnings will soon be pushed out to wheel, but they're not going to do all severe thunderstorm warnings, not going to do all flash flood warnings. They're just going to do the most catastrophic ones. Um, And so you'll need another weather app uh, if you want everything for uh, your location, or if you want weather alerts for a location that isn't your current location, you'll need a third-party app. The WIA is only going to do your phone's physical location, which is a blessing and a curse, I suppose. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what the Carolina Weather Group will have for you tomorrow. So as many of you know, we have the Carolina Weather Net. It is a nonstop streaming weather stream that is available for you throughout the day with real-time conditions, live warnings, the best of the Carolina Weather Group. Right now, it's only available to patrons. For those of you who have signed up at patreon.com slash Carolina Weather Group, you shell over four bucks, less than a cup of coffee to uh, support this show, uh, you get access to the Carolina Weather Net. Well, as we've promised on select weather days, when severe weather is imminent or occurring, that channel will be made available for free, and that will happen tomorrow. So you'll be able to go to the Carolina Weather Group YouTube page, tune in to that Carolina Weather Net. You can just leave it parked up on your TV, on your phone, or your computer. Uh, You'll see that best of the Carolina Weather Group until severe weather hits and then someone's lovely face probably scotty's will pop up to let you know what's happening and there'll also be a real-time ticker there as well too so that you can stay up to date again that will be available to free for everyone tomorrow you can find it on the carolina weather group youtube and then if we do find ourselves in a situation where we go into live coverage with scotty or one of our other members you'll also be able to find that on our other streaming platforms but it's that youtube ones the net that you could just literally leave on all day and it'll act like a regular old-fashioned tv channel where there'll be continuous programming options for you and you don't have to go toggling around looking for anything. Uh, I also understand we're going to have Dan Whitaker driving around with a dash cam here in the Carolinas doing some local storm chasing, leave it to the professionals folks. Dan will bring you those visuals. Uh, last closing thoughts. Anybody? Uh, I'll go for the Western North Carolina. It's uh, it looks scary. If you look at the, uh, the outlooks, there's a little optimism that we can hang on to the cooler, more stable air, but don't count that as a guarantee just yet. Tonight, before you go to bed, make sure you're prepared. Make sure you know what to do if a warning were to be issued. Again, the damaging wind threat looks to be the highest for the foothills and the mountains. We can't rule out an isolated tornado. We can't rule out large damaging hell, but the damaging wind threat would be the primary concern for the foothills and the mountains. Once you get into the uh, Piedmont around uh, Interstate 77 on eastward, that's where I'll let someone else talk about the potential for tornadoes and other things. But if you live here in the foothills and the mountains of North Carolina, um, pray if if you're praying kind and you don't want severe weather, pray that the uh, cold air damming hangs on and uh, we're in a more stable atmosphere. But I do know, just be prepared tomorrow for the chance of a quick moving line of severe thunderstorms moving through with damaging winds, possibly some isolated tornadoes and large hail. Uh, As I think Jared said earlier, this thing quickly moves out of here. And by uh, tomorrow evening, uh, there's going to be some cold air moving into the area. And we're going to be back below normal for the weekend. Another cold weekend setting up here in the Carolinas. So uh, that's my final thoughts for uh, the western part of North Carolina. James, uh, you want to cover the Charlotte area? 
Yeah, about Charlotte between 11 and 3 o'clock tomorrow as it approaches the I-77 corridor here in the Piedmont. Again, we're going to be watching worst case scenario. We start to get some of those discrete supercell thunderstorms, those strong thunderstorms that could begin to rotate or produce hail or damaging winds. That's the threat we're going to be watching for tomorrow. You can see the future cast right here. This is the HRR model run that right now times out at about 1 o'clock tomorrow. You can see this particular computer model is anticipating some of those discrete cells. It's not the only scenario on the table. This is probably the worst case scenario on the table. Some of the other model runs keeping things a little bit more uh, capped down for you, if you will. Again, we have that moderate risk from the Storm Prediction Center that Scotty was just talking about. This is a tier four out of five. This is for most of the Carolinas. It's a little bit less in the higher elevations of Western North Carolina and upstate South Carolina. And if you were to peel back the layers, most of us have a 30% chance of seeing damaging hail. That's one inch size or larger. That would prompt a severe thunderstorm warning. A 15% chance of seeing a tornado. Again, that is Pretty big for our neck of the woods and for our wind threat, 45%, almost 50% as you get through portions of the greater Columbia metro area. So I think at the end of the day, it's the winds that are going to be most memorable from this. But that 15% uh, tornado threat is is not to be taken lightly, uh, lightly Scotty. Yeah, I wanted to, uh, I was um, looking through Twitter. Brad Panovich tweeted out a, a great uh, tweet that we've got pulled up here. This is the first time that we've seen a 15% uh, percent chance of a tornado um, highlighted uh, this far out. So, I mean, that just shows you the, the um, rarity of this event. So, uh, we'll have to monitor that again. And these 15%, it's not like a 15% chance of rain. Uh, on a, any given day, it's less than a tenth of a percent for a tornado. So, if it's less than a tenth percent, and now you're talking about 15%, you can see how much bigger that uh, that threat is. And as I always say to James's uh, thought there, wind is wind, no matter if it's rotating or blowing in a straight line, wind will cause damage and wind can cause, unfortunately, injuries and death if you don't uh, prepare for it. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, Michael on YouTube right now, way too stable and cool. Everywhere in Western Piedmont, this is not going to materialize just heavy rain and cool temperatures. He may not be wrong. He may not be wrong. We're going to we're going to prepare for these uh, these scenarios that uh, aren't just outliers, but are, are probabilities. Uh, and if things turn out to be calmer tomorrow, I know it's always tricky. The weatherman says all these things and we don't want to be wrong, but we don't want severe weather that is going to cause harm either. Just like a firefighter would never hope for a fire, uh, but they're going to prepare for it. None the less. Okay, again, so the Carolina Weather Group will be back tomorrow with uh, coverage as warranted. You can find us streaming on Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and Twitch. You can find our Carolina Weather Net free nonstop on YouTube. That'll kick off at 7 a.m. tomorrow and run throughout the day. And uh, if you, for some reason, lose power which is something that could happen, and you're looking to stay up to date, do remember that the Carolina Weather Group also can be found on your favorite audio podcast app. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Podcasts. And while be it, that's not live. If we get into a scenario tomorrow where we're looking around and there's a lot of widespread power outages, we'll be sure to deliver audio updates to those of you who might be looking for something that you can listen to with limited access to internet or limited access to power. Uh, and the podcast would be kind of the best way to do that short of having a hand crank uh, AM, FM, NOAA weather radio. That is always going to be your golden choice even if it means you're not listening to us. 
your protection comes first. So that's it for now from the Carolina Weather Group. On behalf of everyone here, I'm James Byerton. Charlotte, it is March the 17th. 2021 and we will be back with uh, more severe weather coverage wherever you're watching or listening to this as uh, conditions warrant and we appreciate you trusting us for your in-depth carolina forecast analysis have a good night happy saint patrick's day oh yes